Hello world. First, I want to thank every single listener for following the podcast and your continued support of the show. I'm actually really amazed to see it hit 10 full episodes, so I'm really excited for what's to come in the future. So this is a very special episode for a couple reasons. In this episode, I interviewed the legendary Miss J. Alexander from America's Next Top Model. Miss J is an absolute key, but they also share some great insight on today's modeling industry and their background. This episode does have some strong language, so listener discretion is advised. The second reason is that I'm deeming this episode the season finale of the show. Now, some of you already know, but for those who don't, I recently relocated to Los Angeles literally just a few days ago. So while I'm adjusting living in a completely new city, state, and time zone, I want to spend some time getting my footing, but also getting more content for you all while promoting the show. I'll still be launching a few bonus episodes in the meantime, but you can expect an even bigger and better Black and Fashion Net season. Again, thank you all for your continued and immense support for the show. So please rate, subscribe, and leave a positive review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews really mean a lot and help grow the audience. Now that we're all updated, I hope you enjoy this season finale of Black and Fashion. Get your heels on and stand up straight and get ready to slay that runway because you are here with me, Miss J. Alexander, live for Back in Fashion. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sophia, who that woman? (laughs) Set it off and kick it off. Slay, bitches, slay. Put your heels on, stand up straight, and hit that runway because you are here with me, Miss Jalisander, live for Black in Fashion. For today's episode, we have a very special guest with us. You may have seen this person parlaying the streets of New York City or Paris. Maybe you've seen this person at a fashion show or on the catwalk. Wherever you've seen them, this person is known for teaching the girls how to walk, and I mean walk the runway. You may know them best as the modeling coach and judge on America's Nuts Top Model for cycles 1 through 18 and 21, none other than the legendary Miss J. Alexander. Oh, CJ, so I was told that I'm here in the resource room, which is usually the room that I come in to steal fabric. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go create my own things when I'm running out of money or people don't pay me. <laughs> I need to make clothes. So it was either that or basketball side shows to come steal fabric instead. Stealing fabric is very important. It is important because it makes me eat creative in my head. <laughs> my creative juice is flowing. First off, Ms. J., I know I've said it a million times downstairs, but once again, thank you. Thank you so much for Mm -hmm. conducting this interview. I really appreciate having you here today. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what is a typical day like for you as a runway coach? I'm preparing myself to mentally prepare students, male or female, to get a little more comfortable within themselves, you know, on wanting to walk down the catwalk. I mean, everyone that's tall and thin can't be a model. Hmm. Everyone that's tall and thin shouldn't be a model because sometimes it's just not what they want to do. And when they're chosen, sometimes it's a big surprise for them that they actually can probably more than likely do this to make a living for some, and some aren't. And right now, as far as the runway coach is concerned for here at SCAD, 
these are all students that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. So they're all different body shapes, heights, and sizes. So I have to really, that typical day is to get them really mentally runway ready or catwalk savvy mentally before we go to the physical way of moving and, and them using their bodies in the ways that they never used their bodies before. So I know when a lot of people sort of see someone that may be tall and slim and pretty, they try to put them in that model category, but you just say yourself, everyone tall and skinny can't be a model. Oh, no, 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 everyone. And everyone tall and skinny shouldn't be a model in my eyes because they just don't have that certain je ne sais quoi. So what would you say makes someone stand out? What, what's that model quality? What is that je ne sais quoi you sort of Well, I mean, for? they do have a decent body. I mean, fairly. I mean, let's talk about it. Like, let's go back in the day. You know, a certain size, a certain height always ruled. But now with Chris and Siriano really sort of like putting a stamp on I'll dress anybody type. And he began to put in his fashion shows models of, you know, that are different sizes, you know, whether you're size two or well, minus zero or size six or eight. He puts them in his show. And I think we have to give a lot of credit to Christian Seriano for not just making it something he's done one season and then you, then you never do it again, if it makes sense. Right. He's been very consistent. I love seeing yes, his work. And, and he's good people. He's a very, very nice person. I mean, he's, he's, he's wonderful, you know, and... I think he's, you know, he's doing a good job at what he's doing as far as embracing diversity and body shapes and sizes in his fashion show. Because as he would say, I'm dressing these kind of women after my runway show, after fashion week. I don't dress just these women for fashion week. And for some people, yes, I like my clothing looking on, looking better on a thinner person or a model with a certain height. We all get it. But right now the world is shifting and changing rapidly. So you've worked with some of the biggest names in modeling of our time, from Tyra Banks to Naomi Campbell. So what was it like working and developing those models? And how have you seen modeling sort of changed over time? Well, Naomi was never a student of mine, but Naomi was the person I worked with at shows when I would have to explain to them how to move through the show, the energy that the designers would want. And the thing with that is it's that generation had, had a whole different way of thinking. They didn't come with a bevy of managers and assistants and, you know, lawyers and, you know, I mean, you get paid this much money before you know all your damn money's gone because you're paying for these people to be around you. Models at one time showed up, did their job, went home. Agents took care of everything. But now they've become stars. Some of them have become bigger than some actresses. And I think when the models started to get their covers taken away from them by actresses, it made them work a little bit harder, I thought, to keep their jobs as a model. And we're going into a business where, you know, a list being sent out in Paris at several times with NB for no blacks on it. So models who were black couldn't even get into some shows. Mm-hmm. And if they did, they would take a token black so to keep people from talking. Mm or to keep them from complaining, you take one, two black girls and that's it. And sometimes they would go to the girl that was slightly mixed, that can look a little bit Brazilian, mm-hmm. that can look a little bit exotic, to say, that's our black quota. So when Naomi came in, and Tyra Banks, and you know those girls, it started shifting a bit, where they began to be a little more available to designers, and then they began to use their voice, saying, how come we don't have more black girls in the show? This is Alec Webb wasn't your traditional beauty in the eyes of the fashion business. You know, black is an eight ball. You know, 
but had this really special exotic beauty that worked for her and that everybody would stop and kind of go, oh my God, like how amazing is this? I mean, it's like, whoa, this is, so now you see a lot of girls now that are coming with the Alec Weck moment. A lot of new girls mm -hmm. coming from Africa and from the Sudan and places like that that are coming with the Alec Weck beauty 15 years later, 20 years later, like coming in force. So you speak on new and up-and-coming models. Are there any models right now that you're obsessed with? Not really. Just any girl that can walk down the runway without busting her neck or breaking her ankle or busting her ass. I like it, you know. There are girls right now that they train so constantly. I'm thinking, oh, who's that again? You can't remember anybody's damn name anymore. No, there's just, I'm looking constantly just for girls that can walk down the runway that can make, you know, a garment do something, mm -hmm. make it come alive. And most of all, I think it's important to have a really great personality. What sort of led you personally into modeling? Well, I was stopped by a woman named Kathleen Carnegie who used to work at Giorgio Armani. And she saw me walking down Madison Avenue because I would walk up and down Madison Avenue on Sundays looking at things that I could not afford, but that I can get ideas and inspiration and go home and sell them. And one day she said to me, you should go see this designer, Jean-Paul Gaultier. He's doing a show in New York City. You'll be perfect. I wanted to see them at the casting. They liked me. They booked me. Then after that happened, Monique Pilar, you know, got rest of soul, French. She was part owner of Elite in New York, and she said, you know, you should go to Tokyo. So she set me up with my still agent. He told me she'd get the from Elite Folio Japan. And that's how I kind of started seriously kind of doing it as a job. And then after that, they said, you should move to Paris. And then I moved to Paris, and that's where I've been living ever since. Um, the whole model culture thing came about when I was a novelty for a hot minute. But I thought, girl, you need to pay the rent. <laughs> So novelty is in like that token, tall, black figure. That would do something outrageous when I really want to do that show, but I didn't get that show. And then the guys with the really great bodies and better looks got the shows that I wanted. So I would just go hang out with girls that I knew. Say, oh, we're going to come to the show. And I was always fascinated with just watching girls walk up and down and watching in, in clothes. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do is I would go to the shows. And after the girls would come out, I would say, you know something? Well, if I was you, I would have walked in that dress like this and I would show them how to walk in the dress. Mm -hmm. That's how that whole thing started with teaching girls how to walk. Mm. And it was then, the then owner of Elite, then um, Jahal Marie. Jahal Marie was married to Lindy Evangelista. And he said, Jay, I see you sometimes showing the girls and making fun of the girls, but you should show them how to walk and let them pay you. And I thought, oh my God, really? I was given free advice just because I just enjoyed what I was doing. And from that, it just built, it just started to happen. And the first designer that connected model, designer, and coach was Valentino. Mm. This Brazilian, Carlos de Souza, he was the one who said to me, darling, darling, you know, I see you helping the girl. You have a really beautiful girl you need to work with. And he introduced me to the girl, contacted the agency, set up the apartment, the, the appointment, and then it just kind of happened. So I just started coaching girls at that point, which led into working with Galliano and Elizabeth McQueen, where they would have girls that were for the show. And either their casting director would say, send them to Jay or have the girl. She doesn't know how to walk. So the agency then would call me and say, we have a girl. She's up for the Galliano show or Dior or Ferré, Jean-Franco Ferré or... Um, Alexander McQueen, and she needs to know how to walk. Can you coach her? So I would give her two hours, and maybe she would do two or three lessons, mm -hmm. and then get it ready, and then bam, 
And it was, uh, I believe it was Alexander McQueen who sent, when he was designing for Givenchy, for a very short period, he sent the girl back with a sketch of the mm -hmm. dress she had to wear and the actual high heels that she had to wear in the show and made me coach her that way. Wow. So you literally just had like a picture and some shoes and it's like, figure it out. Yes, let's do, you know, sometimes they would cry because mm -hmm. you want to be perfect and you weren't getting it right away. And I would start the lessons off in flat shoes just to get them comfortable with their bodies. And we would graduate maybe an hour later into a pair of high heels. And I'd say, we got that for the day. Come back tomorrow and I'll put you through the clothing. Mm -hmm. Then I'll start putting her in ball gowns, you know, suits and... You need to be a little more elegant here. You need to be more graceful here. You need to be stronger here. The way the girls are walking for haute couture and prêt-à-porter mm -hmm. were two different walks. It was more snooty, more snobbish for the haute couture than it was for prêt-à-porter. Ready to wear was a lot more, you know, young, fresh, exciting attitude. Mm -hmm. And couture was a little more elegant and reserved and snobbish. So, of course, we all absolutely loved you on America's Next Top Model. So, do you have a favorite memory from working on the series? Shall we got them season episode. We now, we, I did, we think we did 2,586 cycles of that damn show. Oof. <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> I was exaggerating with the numbers, but... Are you sure? Cause... No, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. <laughs> I mean, right now, the show has been on 24 cycles of America's Next Top Model. And Tara says she wants to stop at 25, so I'm waiting for that call. I mean, I didn't do, think at one point I didn't do a couple, I didn't do maybe three of them or four of them. But I came back, bitches. <laughs> and I think what Tara should do is bring back the entire old crew for 25. And maybe do a global one. I said take every girl who's ever won around the world and let them compete. So tell me, what... What inspires you? I look at the girl mm -hmm. and I picture her in certain looks, certain clothes. And what would I do if I was her? What would I do if I was given the opportunity? Mm -hmm. And it's just to, like I said, go out there and let your personality shine and be a chameleon. Be able to, you know, change up and down, shift attitudes and, and energy, you know, in a room with hair and makeup. I mean, the way you walk for the Japanese, you don't walk for the French the same way. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different way the Japanese want you to walk. Simple, no hands on hips, simple, down and off. And right now, shows last, what, 15 minutes now? Before, these should last for 30, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right now, fashion shows last 15 minutes from top to bottom. There's many more designers, some good, some not so good. There's some models that, you know, come in because they're asked to be in this fashion business and once they get into it, they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So their careers just come to a halt. So that's not really what I wanted to do. Some of them want to do the hard work. So you have to inspire me to hire you. Mm. You have to inspire me to say, you're going to bring some life to that. And it's hard with the students here because it's not their, that's not how they make their bread and butter. So sometimes they're like pulling teeth. I can tell one guy, you know, you're trying to watch the rhythm of music. You can't, you shouldn't. It doesn't work for you. Walk normal. So you have to have a whole different mindset. You know, the sloped shoulders, you know, the, the pterodactyl neck. I mean, I'm looking at models sometimes. I'm thinking, she looks so damn prehistoric. <laughs> Child, we girl. And I'm looking at her kind of going, I think she's from that island. They said, what island? The island of Fladunka Sorosis. <laughs> 
Pete Walker, like child, like they're all inbred on an island at their plane crash. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said it. Okay, so tell me, how do you feel like your identity as a black gay male in the industry, in a very exclusive fashion industry, how do you think that that's impacted your career? As a black gay man in the fashion industry, I think it's impacted other people's lives. Mm. Just being out, just being an out gay black man, just outrageous, no filter, you know, all this fluidity and all this cross-dressing. I've been doing that shit for years. It ain't nothing new to me. So you think but it sort no. of altered some people's perspectives? It has altered, yeah, which, you know, we have a long way to come. Right. I mean, we, I mean, to go, I should say, we've come a long way, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Because right now the world is changing. People are younger and they're thinking differently. There's a group of people now that would look at this whole sexual transition of being fluid and, and polyamorous and, you know, all this stuff is happening as taboo, mm-hmm. but because your peer groups are doing the same thing, it's normal. People, are, you know, the transgender models are now getting their their light, you know, on runways, right, on campaigns. I mean, look, I think Indy Moore is fabulous. I think she's genius. I think the cast of Pose is brilliant. I think Ryan Murphy, when he tapped into that, he tapped into something major. But as things shift, so I always say, bitches, save your money. <laughs> Some people are forced to do it. Mm-hmm. So the people who are working there in that position to be the booking editor, who's now, the new editor is now 25 years old. She's growing up with those girls. She's growing up with RuPaul's Drag Race. She's growing up with Project Runway. She's growing up with these people. So she's taking more risk. Right. You know, the photographers are changing. The shift of the industry is moving. The people who are there are no longer have that much power that they thought they would have. Mm-hmm. So you have another whole group of people who now are kind of going, I think she's amazing, but she's she's transgendered. That makes it even more fabulous. <laughs> right. It makes it even more fabulous because now she's going to reach a whole different generation. And hopefully within five to ten years, people will walk down the street and be who they are and love who they are. And be there. I never had a problem loving me and being me and doing me. I never did. So it's not new to me. It's kind of like it's new for them and people who are, are watching them. Mm-hmm. You know, kids know at five years old whether they want to be male or female. Oh, that's too young. How do they know? They know. <laughs> Some kids do know. Some kids follow the trend. Some kids, well, I'm, my my pronouns are them, they're they. I'm cis non-binary. These are things. I want to be a boy. So I'm going to cover all my hair from my head. <laughs> Wear boys' clothes. Mm-hmm. And it may be a phase for some, but for some it's not a phase. It's who they are. Right. I don't understand the bullying online either. I don't know how you say horrible things about me online makes me want to go home and kill myself. So that, that disturbs me. Right. People said bad things about me on the internet. I don't respond to it. But if I cross you in the street, I may bust your fucking ass because <laughs> I'm that kind of girl. <laughs> you can hide behind the computer and press those keys, but bitch, if I say I'm about to fuck you up. Take no kids. Yeah, but I'm number seven of ten kids. Group in the South Bronx. Baby, I don't take no tea for the fever. And I can say, call me anything. I answer to it all. Them, there, they, he, she, him, whatever you want to call me, I answer to it, but just don't touch me. <laughs> Number one. Number two, we are still struggling right now to be accepted on many levels mm-hmm. as black people in an industry that sometimes it's not so forthcoming in giving us an opportunity or giving us a chance. We've adopted to all your languages and things like that, but you have not adopted to ours. 
right now, who do we have to look up to in the black industry in fashion right now? Virgil Abloh, because he's at a big house. He had he had a following at, at Off White. Yeah. But once he became the head at Louis Vuitton, I think the following grew even more. Oh, definitely. It grew a whole lot more. We're still working on that, you know. Let's have five black models in the show and not two. <laughs> Let's give another talented black designer a chance. And everybody's not your cup of tea, and everyone's not going to like you and like what you do either. So you have to kind of roll with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people looked at me and said, mm-mm, nope, oh, okay, fine. No. And I count my pennies and say, well, you know something? My rent is paid for the next couple of months. I'm good. <laughs> they kiss my black ass and keep it moving because I'm going to stay true to me. And I've been doing that for so long that it's normal for me. I have no filter. I say something on my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm on my business. I'm on my business. But, you know, everyone's not going to agree mm-hmm. to work with um, a black talent that hasn't been put out there by someone with power and position. Right. Sometimes we follow someone because someone of power or white power has put them in a position that we all want to watch. We all want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Laquan Smith, Laquan Smith does a show in New York City and everybody goes to the show because it's a really high energy show. It's sassy, it's fierce, the bitches are walking, the music yes, is slamming, chopping kids. <laughs> You know, I want to get up and dance and I want to get mad that I'm not walking in the dress in those high heels because <laughs> the bitches be slamming. That was the energy that we used to get out of baby fat. Mm-hmm. Now the Kimoni Simmons has brought back baby fat. I'm trying to convince her to do another big show so that you and Laquan can be the two people, the two shows that people want to go to just to go in there and just be fierce and be fierce yes. and just the energy be, yes, bitches, wow! <laughs> and be that kind of crowd. But sometimes we need that. Mm-hmm. We need that. We need the high energy, the excitement in fashion. Fashion is what it is. You take it and make it what it is. You take it apart. You create something different with it. You know, you style it yourself. I mean, Pat McGrath, I think, is amazing makeup. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've known Pat forever. And I'm happy for I'm always happy for a sister, you know. And she's good at what she does. And she has a following that's insane. People believe in her. All based on her talent. And people believing in her branding. My other thing I'm going to talk about on this podcast before I walk away is this whole social media situation. I was just told the other day, yesterday morning, that I had to get my numbers up in order for the producers to take another look at the TV show that someone wrote for me to have. We're concerned about his numbers. He should have much more than that. I can't see myself sitting down every day, posting two and three times a day what I'm eating, what I'm maybe eating, what I've eaten, shopping, I do the stories. I do things because I feel the moment to do them. I do them. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that you're not going to hire me, a person who actually has the talent to do the job, I still have a problem with that. I, I just have a problem with that, that you're hiring people who don't have it, influences. You're paying that person how much when they sit there, but who is this person? And they said to me, it's about numbers. It's about clicking. Okay. So I need to go out here and and sit here and and just do these things for you to believe in me that I can use a little bit of cash in my pocket and actually get a TV show going because I have a lot of numbers of people watching me. Well, for those people who think that, walk the streets with me and you'll see the difference. It's not the same. You walk the street with me, you'll see see the love that happens. I'm getting a lot of, late in the past three years, of what I've done for people. Mm -hmm. I thank God, Ms. J, thank you for you, thank you for being you. 
thank you for being who you are. You know, shows that you see me front row seat. Oh, you may get second because they're saying, we never did room in the front row. But you see people sitting there with ill-fitting clothes and shoes that don't fit because they're influencers that borrow something from a house or a designer. You kind of go, who, 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 who? That is definitely one huge change we've seen in the industry, especially recently. You know, you'll see a lot of people who they do have the right amount of followers or they might have been in this one video and all of a sudden they're replacing the seats of actual people from the industry, mm-hmm. from buyers mm-hmm. to runway coaches to designers. Just and designers, I mean, I think of all my other favorite that I love to hate and should be just striked out of anyone's vocabulary is, but he's not relevant. So in other words, a person has information who has knowledge because he's not relevant with over a half a million or more followers means that his information and talent is not useful. Doesn't make any sense to me. If that may well, because what sometimes I'm rambling and be like, because I get on the I get on the page maybe and get mad. So I'm trying to understand that I mean I think Angelina Tally mm. is a walking fashion historian. Angelina Tally uses verbiage and knowledge when he drops it on you, baby. He drops it on you. So, and things I've learned from being in workrooms, around them at the quad, being around them and in the Michi with Lars Nielsen, the things I've learned with Lars Nielsen at Bill Blast, the things I've learned with John Galliano, the things I've learned with Alexander McQueen, just being a part of the production team in the sense of coaching models. Mm-hmm. I would go by during the fitting sometimes and help them. I would help them cast the shows for certain designers, friends of mine, to get it out there to get the, the energy and, and right and then when people come into a casting directors that all change all these new casting directors all these people the show producers who now take control of the list who works in and there's been a few models who were told if they work with me that they would not hire them mm-hmm. because that was just people hating oh yikes and I did didn't half the time there was one person in New York City who worked on a team of people and I was working with Lars and he said um, if he had to work with me that he would cancel the whole entire production of all three shows that he had to deal with. And I was so shocked because I didn't know who the person was. Wow. They told me the name. I couldn't put the name to the face. And when I saw the person, I kind of thought, oh, that's who you are. But I smiled through it. I'm mm-hmm. a better person. You know, because it was not, I was not ego-driven. It was not about my ego. It was just about how they treated me as a person, which I disliked. And I kind of thought, if I'm a real project in real hood, I go punch in a fucking face. <laughs> Simple. I will fuck the bitch up in public and say, you talk shit about me. Oh, for me, I'm out yeah, let it go, keep it moving, because I think my soul's in the right place. Mm. My soul's in the right place. My soul has no gender. My collective vision, my inspiration has no gender. I just do it if you, your energy's good, I'm working from your energy. Tell me, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to pursue a career in modeling or fashion in this day and age? If you feel it, do it. Sometimes you're going to get a thousand no's to get one yes, and that, that's okay. Remember, it's not for everyone. But I always say, place yourself where you want to be. And what I mean by that, don't go to a pizza parlor to get a tuna fish sandwich. If you want to work in fashion, in a design, go there. Go to many different places, take your resume, go in there and sell yourself and say, you know, I'll pick up the pens, I will do whatever it is to learn. I will be a model. Sometimes it may take you five years to get there, or maybe longer, but just keep at it. Place yourself there. Place yourself there in that position. Again, Ms. J. Alexander here on Black and Fashion. Thank you so much for You're being welcome. here. 
um, black and fashion in me ruling. <laughs> Thank you, guys. See you later. Black and Fashion is written and produced by me, edited by Joelle North. The theme music is from PBTM Production Music Library, and background music for our profile episodes comes from Lakey Inspired. The title is Better Days. Please like, subscribe, review, and rate Black and Fashion five stars on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Lastly, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at BLKNFSHN. Again, that's at BLKNFSHN, just like the logo. Thanks for listening.